and I want to start at verse number 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the Word is God. And not because I said it is, but because verse 1 says it is. The Word was God. And the Word, or God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace. Everybody say, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried, This was he, he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Verse number 16, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And with the help of the Lord, I want to minister on this topic today, living on the right side of grace. Living on the right side of grace. Would you just bow your heads and ask the Lord to speak to us today? Lord, I'm asking you to fill me up and pour me out upon your people today, and I'm asking you to give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to understand the revelation of what's getting ready to happen in this house. I'm asking you, Lord, to help us embrace the word today. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to make it plain, make it clear, and help me to say it just the right way. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Living on the right side of grace. Now, I want to establish at the very beginning of this what grace simply means. The underlying uh, meaning of this word is simply favor. Simply, it's just simply favor. Now, when we say the grace of God, that's we mean unmerited favor of God. Unmerited, you, you can't, or it's just favor, okay? And I believe that God has released grace when he came to this earth as a man that you and I would dwell in his favor. And some of us have recognized the favor of God in our lives, and some of us still question. No telling what just happened. But when you don't recognize the grace of God and how grace is applied in your life, you don't live on the right side of grace. And, and just hold on and help me by the end of this. I hope to make this very, very clear. But some of us are still living our life with the idea or the, or, or the vision of Calvary. Now, don't get me wrong. Calvary is probably the most important place you'll ever stop. But once you get to Calvary, your life is changed. And the direction that you begin to walk and to live is different than before you got to Calvary. Calvary is simply the cross. It's where his blood was shed. Now, I, I need to do some teaching, and I need to do it even though I fear getting into the weeds and, 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 and maybe confusing people. But I'm going to take my chance, and hopefully I'll make it as clear as crystal before this is done. 
I have told you several times in the past that the Greek language does not, or the English language does not do Greek language justice. And so when you study the scripture, there are so many layers to understand what was written and what was meant. And you just sometimes scratch the surface because nobody wants to get bogged down in the particulars of all of what's part of the structure of the Greek language. And the word grace in this passage is just such a word. Not because there's multiple meanings of the word grace, but I'm going to go one step further and I'm going to talk to you about what case the word grace is written in in this passage because I believe if we understand the meaning behind each word, it's going to be more to you and to me than it was before we came today. So in verse number 14, we, re- we see that Jesus came and he was full of grace and truth. And I'm not going to preach on the truth part today. I'm focusing on the grace part. But this grace is written, that word grace is written in what is called the genitive uh, case. Okay, I told you I was going to get into the weeds a little bit. The genitive case of a word simply means ownership. So in other words, when the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace, In a genitive case, it's saying that it was his grace. He owned it. He was full of it, and it was his. Okay, do you understand that? So then you go down, skip verse number 15, and go down to number 16. For from his fullness we have all received. What does that mean? Of his fullness. Of the fullness of his grace and truth, but today grace, we have received, we have received the grace that was Christ's, it was given to us, and we have embraced it. It's not my grace, it's not your grace, it's his grace, and out of the fullness of his grace, we have received. Now that word received is a different word in Greek. There's two main words for received in Greek. Never thought you were going to get a Greek lesson today, did you? But there is a Greek word, and the Greek word is dekomai, and it's translated received. And there is a Greek word that means lambano, or that is lambano, and it means received. And so when you see the difference, there's just a slight difference. Here's the difference. I can send you a gift and you can take the mail out of your mailbox, and you have received my gift, but you may never open it. You may say, oh, that's junk mail. You have received something from me. It's decomai, but you have not taken it to yourself. The word lambano means you receive something, but you take it and embrace it for yourself. And so what verse 16 uses the word lambano, L-A-M-B-A-N-O, lambano. So what the writer John is saying in this verse 
is that we have received, we have taken a hold unto ourselves the grace that is only Christ's. Okay? Now, 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 does that make sense? Do you understand? So you have embraced the grace of Christ and taken it for yourself. But notice this next phrase, and, and it's hard to understand this next phrase. Grace upon grace. Is John just being redundant? Is John just trying to say something that we're not recognizing? Is John just trying to be poetic? Not when you look at the word. You see this first grace, grace upon grace. That first grace is not written in the genitive case. It is written in the accusative case. Now, you have to go in and study Greek and Hebrew, and if you don't want to, you're just going to have to take my word for it. But it's written in the accusative grace. Here's what the accusative case of a Greek word has to do with. It has to do with simply identifying a direct object. So, follow me here. Grace upon grace, it was, make sure I don't ring, uh, so from his fullness we have received, his grace, genitive case, it's his, we have embraced it, grace upon grace, what's he talking about, he's saying he has taken his grace that he owns, and he has handed it to us, and we have embraced it, and that is the grace that is the object in the accusative sense of the Greek. It's a tangible item that God has given us, but he doesn't stop there. That would excite me that I have Jesus' grace, but look what it says. It says grace upon grace. That second word grace there, guess what case it's in? It's in the genitive case. Now, I know some of you aren't getting it yet, but you'll get it here in a second. The grace that he owns, he takes as a direct object that we receive, and the object that we take then becomes ours. Uh, there's something that happens. There is a transition that takes place when you receive the grace of Jesus Christ. That which was only his, when he gives it to you and you embrace it, it is no longer just his, but it has become yours. And you become the owner of favor from God ha! so that you can live not from favor to favor asking God to help you every, but you dwell in it because it becomes yours his grace is given to you from being just an object of grace to becoming your very own power of grace wrapped up in Jesus 
Let me just tell you something. You have the opportunity to walk in and dwell in the favor of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because it's not just an object that he gives you. It's something that becomes you. So... I got to looking a little bit further. This is just how my brain operates. I'm sorry. So I decided to dig into the word upon. Because, can I just tell you, the word upon doesn't do justice to the Greek word. I can come upon something. It just kind of shows up. Okay, I can... I, I can, God can just come upon us. He did it all through the Old Testament. He came upon a, a person of old for a momentary period of time, and he settled on it for just a momentary period of time, and then he was gone again. Okay, here's what's greater about grace upon grace. If you look up the Greek word for the word upon, it's A-N-T-I, and it really means Instead of, you'll get it here in a second. The object of grace is given to us so that it becomes our own instead of just an object. Now, just hang tight. I already know the illustration that will eventually hopefully make this clear. But the Lord spoke to me this week, and I don't use those terms lightly, that some of us are living in grace but on the wrong side of it. And I don't say that in a judgmental way. This is not a judgmental message. This is a message that I believe is going to give somebody freedom and authority, and power, and dominion, and righteousness, and holiness. There's getting something that's getting ready to be unleashed in some of you, not because of judgment, but simply because you've been on the wrong side of grace, and God is getting ready to move you to the right side of grace. You have operated in the object of grace. And every step of your existence is, God, just continue to give me grace. By your grace, by your grace, let me do this, by your grace. And God is trying to tell somebody today, I've already given it to you. And not only have I given it to you, I have made it yours. And you can walk in it, and you can talk in it, and you can live in it, and you can be strong in it, and you can operate in it, and you can be used in it, not because I have to come and visit you, but because it's already in you. Oh. Heaven is trying to open right now would you just take 30 seconds and reach out to him I'm not done yet but just reach out to him there's revelation that's getting ready to spring forth yeah let it happen God 
Speak into the hearts of your people right now. Let them see with clarity what you're trying to get across to us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Let me try to show what I mean today. Randy's kind of a magnetic personality, isn't he? Can you come and help me and just have a seat right here? Do we have him on camera? Randy's representing grace today. He is representing verse number 14, full of grace. It's his. It's owned. He's representing Jesus right now. I know he's not Jesus. He knows he's not Jesus. But he's representing him in this illustration. When you're way over here before you even come into contact with him, you are living under the judgment of your own sin. You are living in the authority of the of the air. You are dwelling in your own shortcomings, your own mishaps, your own struggles. And what you need on this side of grace, you need to have deliverance from, you need to have freedom from, you need to have something come from outside of you to remove that junk that's on the inside of you. Are are you seeing what I'm talking about? How many understand I was in the miry clay until grace called me? I was lost and miserable until grace called me. I lived over here. You're never far away from grace. You're one reach towards grace. But I've learned to operate my life on this side of grace, thinking that I need to be delivered every day, thinking I need to be set free every day, thinking I need to have his grace and his favor because I know that I'm going to mess it all up. Right? And I was lost. And so I'd make one step towards grace. And I'd come to church, and I'd feel the presence of God. And then I'd go home, and on Monday, I forgot about grace, and I stepped back into my junk. Listen, I'm not just talking about new people. I'm talking about people that have been around the block a time or two with Jesus. Some of us have been around grace all of our lives, but we've only stayed on one side of it. So all of a sudden, I get down, I get depressed, I get turned inside out again, and so I reach for grace. And this time I take two steps. And I may come to chain breakers and church. But then that boss of mine on Tuesday afternoon throws a wrench into my life and I forget about the grace and I walk back into my mess and there's this constant fight to and from this thing of grace can I tell you why it's because the grace is still an object to you it hasn't become you yet so all of a sudden 
Scott invites me back to church. Haven't been there a couple of weeks, and I'm really not sure about it, but just to get Scott off my back. That's talent right there, son. I was getting ready to jump just to get in the camera. I'm just teasing. But to get Scott off my back, I say, okay, I'm going to go back. And I get pulled three straps closer to grace. So I go to chain breakers in church and I talk to somebody. And I shake their hand. And I start having a conversation. But then on Monday, and it's back and forth and back and forth and all in the back and forth of you walking towards the object of grace, the voice of the enemy is whispering into your spirit saying, see, it's really not worth the work. It's really not worth the effort. Jesus really doesn't love you because if he loved you, he would take care of it and get you out of it and deliver you from it and heal you from it and send financial blessing to you, but you're just not worth it. And you keep struggling. I want you to notice something in this illustration. Grace has never left where it is. Grace doesn't move. We move. And so we fight this back and forth battle. Oh God, I just need your grace. God, your word says, by grace I'm saved through faith. I just need your grace. I just need your grace. And we have this battle in our minds and our spirit about the object or the accusative sense of grace. But can I tell you what happens when we get to past the point of the object of grace and get to the person of grace? When we get here and we begin a relationship with grace, not the object of grace, but the person of grace, God manifest in the flesh, God born as a baby, when I begin to have a relationship with him, the grace doesn't become an object. It becomes from him to me, and it becomes my grace. And so now he empowers me to step on the right side of grace. And now the grace that I have encountered isn't something that gives me favor to get to him. It's favor in order for me to become him. Ah, you're going to get this. When you get on this side of grace, that grace that has put, been put inside of me propels me into victory. It propels me into an anointing. I don't need deliverance anymore. I just need to walk in my deliverance. I don't need freedom anymore. I just need to walk in my freedom. And here's what happens. Now... Because his grace has become mine and not just an object that I embrace. Now I can stop and I can look back to those on the other side of grace and say, I know you need deliverance right now. I know you need freedom right now. I know the enemy's messing with you right now. But just keep, come on, come on, keep coming. Keep telling me the grace. 
Keep coming to Jesus. For when you come into contact with Jesus, that grace that was just an object to let you make it through the day becomes an object that is no longer just an object. It becomes who you are. And then every step you take is a step of grace. Every word you speak is a word of grace. Every action you do is an action of grace. And you are releasing Jesus into your world. How do I know that? I'll tell you how I know that. Acts chapter 6, and and I'm just about done, but Acts chapter 6, verse number 8. Oh, somebody's going to walk out these doors, and you're going to walk into your world. And there's going to be a grand new, brand new, grand new as well. Brand new power and anointing and dominion. You're not going to question. You're not going to be deterred. You're not going to allow the enemy to whisper falsities into you. Because as long as it's an object, there's space to get doubt in. But when it becomes you... There ain't no space. The only way you get deterred after on this side of grace is if you allow it. So I want you to notice Acts chapter 6. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Do you want to know what case the grace is? It's genitive. It's ownership. On this side of grace, the word of God says that you will walk in power, that you will do great wonders and signs among the people. My friend, you are an ambassador of Jesus because you have taken on his name and because his grace is sufficient in all things. Thank you, Randy. Listen. Amen. Listen, here's here's what I believe is getting ready to happen. As people cross into this side of grace where it's owned where it becomes who we are. Here's what I believe can happen. I want to challenge you, those of you that have stepped through Jesus and into this grace, step into your home today and declare it God's palace. No, devil, you have no authority here. I've got the favor of God in me, through me, all around me. It's my grace now. It's not just the object that he's given me. I've got him. Listen, you walk into your office tomorrow, and it doesn't matter what mood your boss is in 
or your employees or your coworkers are in, you walk in and you declare grace is here. Listen, that's not being arrogant. That's walking in the authority. Do you think Paul was arrogant when he stood before the council and said, it doesn't matter, council, what you think. I answer to somebody higher than you. I answer to the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That's not arrogant. That's just understanding who you are. And if you understand that you are enveloped and owned by the favor of God because of your relationship with Jesus, it's not arrogant to step into an area and declare this is a grace zone. Now, some of you are catching the revelation of this intellectually. I understand that. You will probably not catch this practically until you activate it in your life. What do I mean, Pastor? What do you mean? This is what I mean. When you walk into lunch today and you enter the restaurant, you don't need to make a big show but you just need to let the enemy know, uh, grace is here. Favor has entered. Favor has entered. You're getting ready to be blessed in this restaurant today because you have allowed the favor of God to enter. Listen, it's not arrogant when you understand. You, under, you know that it's not you. You were living on that side of grace. Were you lost and condemned and going to hell? No, you just weren't operating in the grace that God wanted to give you. Were you a sinner while you were doing it? No, you were struggling to figure out how the grace of God would work in your life. Here's the way it does. He gives it to you. Grace, the object. Upon grace, you become the owner. Do you want to know why I can forgive my enemy? Because he forgave me. You want to know why I can give grace to somebody that doesn't deserve grace? Because neither did I, but he gave it to me. And not only that, he is in me. And he doesn't leave me. And he doesn't forsake me. And if he doesn't forsake me, it means he's always where I'm at. It means that he's right there with me. And that means his grace is right there with me. And if I have received it unto myself, he has made it mine. And so now I release his grace through me. I become an institute or an instrument of grace to others so that others can see Jesus. Use another terminology. Before Jesus, after Jesus. Before Jesus, I was I I I received his grace way back there that first time I took a step towards him. In fact, I actually received his grace before I even realized there was grace. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So grace was already there. 
but it became my object. And as long as I felt the weight of the object in my arms, I was able to believe the Lord for what he said. But when the enemy attacked me and caused me to question what that weight was and who I was, I laid the weight of that down and then prayed, God, deliver me. Free me from the voice of the enemy. On this side of grace, when I take it and I embrace it, and the weight of that object is distributed throughout my body so I'm not just holding the object, but it becomes a very person of who I am. What, what, what is the change? Here's the change. Now when the enemy whispers to me and tries to, to mess with me, and he will, I don't have to be delivered from him. I just need to tell him to shut up. Let me put it to you in King James terminology. In the book of 1 Peter, I believe it is. Submit to God. That's the transition of the grace. And when I submit to him, the next verse says, resist him and he will flee. Listen. After grace, this side of grace, Satan has no power or authority that we do not give him. We can just shut him up. Before that experience, and we're just holding the object of grace, he has access to us, and we struggle with it. It's the reason why newer people to the things of God struggle so hard because it's up and down. I'll tell you why. It's because their relationship hasn't gotten to the point of transformation from pre-grace to post-grace. You're, you're dealing with the object instead of the ownership. That's why I said this message isn't a message of judgment. Listen, I need to be willing to take my ownership of grace and cross over where those that are struggling and fighting with the enemy in an unfair battle, if you will. And I need to step in with that person and I need to be, begin to speak deliverance and hope and, and freedom and, and love and grace and mercy into their lives and let them know that God's on their side. But when that time comes that somebody crosses over into a full ownership of the favor of God, they begin to speak with authority and power and anointing, and they do so on behalf of themselves and on behalf of those that are still struggling to get to that point. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's what I invite you to stand. Each week, these glasses become less good for me. I can't hardly see anything. You're all blurs. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost today. If you're brand new to this church and you may never have heard a preacher like me 
act as crazy as I do. I don't apologize for that because the Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, many are saved. I'll be as much of a fool as I can if you'll feel just a little bit of what I'm able to feel and sense just a little bit of God has invaded our space. If you're here today and you desire to step onto the right side of grace and what I have preached today has described you, you've loved God, you're serving God, but you're in that give and take with the favor of God and the enemy is messing with you and throwing obstacles. Now, it doesn't mean the enemy's done on this side of grace. I'm just sorry to tell you, until Jesus calls us home, we're going to be dealing with him. But I deal with him in a different manner now than I did back then. Okay, does that, I just want to, for those of you that think it's free coasting to heaven, uh, there's another thing coming. But the way you deal with it is different. And the authority you deal with it in is different. And so if you've been walking on this side of grace and it's been two steps forward, a step back, two steps, and you just feel like you're not making ground anywhere because Satan, your life, whatever, is just causing obstacles, I want you just to come to the front, if you would. Just be so bold and honest that you'll step forward in the presence of God. Amen, amen. <clears throat> oh... This is powerful. This is powerful. The Holy Ghost is settling here right now. Now, I am asking, if you're not standing in the front, that means you recognize that you've, you may not have understood it until I preached it, but you have stepped onto that side of grace. I'm wanting you to come behind these folks. Remember, I said we need to reach back to that other side of grace and help them along. And I don't have time nor the energy to go and spend all kinds of time with each one here right now. So I'm asking you to come in behind them, and we're going to release the power and the anointing of grace in this house. The, the favor of God to go from an object to a personal experience with Jesus, to go from an abstract to a power step. If you came forward because you were wanting to take that personal step into a different side of grace, I want you to raise your hands where you're at, and those that are around you are going to begin to pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Jesus, brand new grace. Brand new grace. Ha, personal grace. Owned grace. Go ahead, Miranda. Yeah. Ha, Lord Jesus, you're saturating right now. You're consuming right now.
Jesus loves when it cry out to him, when you reach for him, when you reach. He's loving this right now. He's loving this authority, dominion, power, favor in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Right now, God, from the object to grace to the possession of grace, in the name of Jesus. Huh? Yes, 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 yes. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name.